Welcome to Where the Lotus Grows, Getting Dirty and Growing Strong with Kimberly Searle and Tanya Drew. As integrative sustainable movement educators and health advocates, our goal is to provide you with evidence-based information gathered from research, experts in the field, and our personal and professional experience to help you advocate for your own health and wellness. Our mission is to collaboratively navigate the thick, muddy waters of life to empower, accept, and cultivate our most authentic selves. All right. Welcome back, Courageitarians. We want to give a shout out to Jenny Lynn 0624. This was a great podcast, great discussions to help remind you that you need to take care of yourself. Jenny Lynn 0624, my deepest gratitude for your review. Thank you so much, Jenny Lynn. And for the rest of you, if you've been thinking about leaving a review, we'd love to hear from you either on iTunes, your favorite podcast platform, or even um, get in touch with us personally at our website, redalotusgrows.com. So today we'll be talking with Heather Gilden. Heather is continually amazed by the transformative power of movement in her own body and the bodies of others. This potential for transformation has been the driving force behind her work since she began teaching in 2004, and it is the primary inspiration for her studio. Her training has taken her around the world as she has studied with top instructors, including the gyrotonic method. She believes that true health is multidimensional, and she works with each client to discover how their movement training can best serve their overall wellness. Her extensive training and detailed knowledge of anatomy combined with years of experience allow her to work with a wide variety of clients. Her experience includes working with athletes, dancers, as well as those with shoulder and neck pain, scoliosis, spine issues of many varieties, hip replacement, foot and ankle issues, knee pain, and stroke recovery. She believes that each client has unique needs and Heather creatively combines her full range of skills in every session. Heather's sessions use the gyotonic method as their framework, but also include elements of massage, Pilates, and life coaching as indicated. Today, we're talking with Heather because she has just written her first book, and we're going to talk to her about that book, Thriving in Your Business, and uh, learn about that journey that got her to this moment. Thank you, Heather, for joining us. And today, we'll be talking uh, about your book, Thriving in Your Healing Business. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. So I am interested. (laughs) I am interested. When was the first um, moment in your life that you were really drawn to movement as healing? Oh gosh. So I have to say that would that actually started when I was a child. I uh, danced growing up. And I can remember one specific moment in, I think it was a jazz dance class. We were doing this movement where we sort of like radiated our arms out like the sun and made this big sweeping motion overhead. And I just remember this moment of pure joy. And I don't know that I even had the word healing to put on it at that moment, but I can look back on it now and see that it was a moment of just like wholeness in my soul somehow. Um, And I would say that was sort of my first spark of connecting movement and healing together. And then actually what ended up happening was I thought that I, 
well, I didn't think I knew I wanted to be a professional dancer. That was the path that I wanted to be on. And for a number of reasons that didn't work out, um, among which was that I developed unexplained abdominal pain. And I ended up having to quit dance entirely in high school, which was really hard and painful for me. So after I got through college and I was sort of back out in the world, I was, I felt really lost and I really didn't have direction in my life at that time. And I was working a terrible job, just a a job that I'm so grateful for now because it was super motivating. I knew I wanted to do anything but the job I was doing. I was a, a receptionist at a day spa where I was kind of being worked to the bone. Um, so I, uh, I thought back to when I was uh, dancing still and I had studied Pilates and I thought, well, maybe I could get back to doing that. Maybe I could teach that a little bit on the side and that could be at least something to supplement my income. Maybe it would be enough to get me out of this, this particular job and I could find a better one. Um, so I actually pursued my Pilates teacher training. And through pursuing that, I actually got back into movement and back into my body, which I had really left when I quit dance. And it was such a healing experience for me, like coming home in a way, finding that spark of joy in my own life, in my own self again. And I didn't actually know when I started my Pilates teacher training that people could be Pilates teachers full time. This was long enough ago that that wasn't a known thing yet. But I started seeing my mentors and that they they did do this as a full time job. And that just became sort of my all consuming drive at that point. (laughs) How could I make this my work instead of the day spa job? Um, And so that was sort of my journey into using movement as healing for myself and then through that for others. What does being embodied mean to you? So being embodied means to me having, it's like the open line of communication with my body. Um, I realize that there's always information coming in from my body. And even when it's not information that I like, like when I was having that abdominal pain for so many years, and then I had to quit dance, even that I've come to realize was actually a kind of information that I was getting from my body. And I didn't want to hear it for a long time. So I just sort of shut it out. But the more that I've learned how to tune in and understand the messages that come from my body, the more I've realized that, especially the ones that are uncomfortable, that I don't like feeling, they're actually there to try to move me forward. So being embodied for me means accepting my body, accepting the the messages from my body unconditionally 
and the joy and the bliss always feel great. But the ones where it's like this book, I wrote a lot about some experiences that I had later after I'd been teaching movement for a while um, with burnout and um, with really having overextended myself. And at that point, my body was giving me a lot of messages that I wasn't actually in alignment anymore. Not just physically not in alignment, but like my energy wasn't in alignment with how I was working, with what I was doing. And I just wanted it to shut up. <laughs> Stop <laughs> saying that. Like, just get with the program, body. This is what we're doing. But, uh, you know, it was telling me the truth of the situation. It was really telling me the truth of what I needed to, to know to actually move forward in my life. So that's what embodiment is to me. It's like really having the level of awareness in my body to access that truth for myself. You know, as being a healer, it is hard to manage the energy, especially when you're getting, you know, new energy every hour and you want to be with that energy to help people heal, but then you also need to conserve, right? Some energy for you and your cup really needs to be overfilled versus just filled. And so I'm wondering, were there some sad or tragic kind of difficult times that you struggled with when you were a healer um, on kind of walking that self-care path and, you know, giving how you need to in a healing business? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. There were were many sad and tragic moments. (laughs) You can laugh about them now, but I wasn't laughing about them then. Um, So. It was so clear to me that, the, that this was the sort of work that I wanted to be doing. And when I started doing this work and I actually got to the point where I had a clientele built and people were seeing a difference in their body and they were reporting back to me all the great things that were happening in their lives as a result, it was so inspiring. But on a certain level, I just started taking responsibility for it all. Like, oh, well this is going great. So now I have to keep doing it sort of a thing. I have to say yes, if they want to see me, I have to work whatever hours people want to come in for. And yeah, I mean, so the first tragic thing that happened was that I ended up just getting so overbooked that it didn't, I didn't care anymore. And it's kind of hard to even say that, like to admit that out loud. But, um, you know, people would still come in and they would say, it's so amazing. I feel so good. Like my body hasn't ever felt this good. Oh, it's such a relief. Oh, I can walk again. That's great. And it stopped being satisfying. It was like, okay, good. <laughs> I'm so tired. What next? <laughs> so that was the first tragedy was that this thing that what that I loved and that had been so inspiring to me kind of just lost all of its luster for a while. Mm-hmm. And, then, and so what did you learn from that tough time? I mean, so, so, so basically your passion became not as shiny anymore. Yeah. And so what did you learn from that? So what I learned from that was my first lesson was just in better boundary setting about like my hours when I was working, what I need, what I could be giving. 
And and I did better with that for a while. I also learned more how to reach out um, and sort of accept inspiration from other sources. So I started doing more training for myself and going out and connecting more with my community and just uh, just sort of getting inspiration that way from other people, from other sources. And it was good. It helped for a while. But then I sort of found myself back in the same place again. And it actually got even more, uh, <laughs> even darker. So I ended up, I started having anxiety attacks. I, I actually was feeling pretty suicidal for a while. And what I ended up really coming through to after all of that was realizing that I had to like be able to tap into the resource within myself. So it wasn't, so support is always great. I can always reach out for support and setting boundaries is always great and definitely critical. But the really deep work that I did and what I really learned for myself that I needed to do was to find how I could resource my own energy just directly so that it, it wasn't that I was doing the work of healing people from my own energy, more like the healing could move through me and I wasn't giving myself up for it. Mm. A little bit of an esoteric thing. Does it make sense as I'm talking about it? It does, yes. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm wondering, you know, I remember when I started out teaching uh, just over a decade ago, uh, you know, no one really talked to me about that energy. Like, how do you conserve your own energy or how do you let that energy that of others pass through you? And if it's not serving you, you know, it, it kind of goes away uh, and to be repurposed as useful energy for someone else in the universe. Like, like what would your, um, that's what I'm trying to, to figure out is, what would your advice be to that uh, he healer that's just starting out on their journey? What's a piece of nugget, a little nugget of wisdom you could give them? <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> this is actually kind of why I wrote the book because I don't know if I can distill this all into one thing, but let's try. Let's see what comes out if I can say it in one nugget. Um. I guess the nugget is just that you have to spend enough time with yourself in your own practice. Um, have some kind of practice, whatever that is. I, I have a meditation and journaling practice. And of course, I also have my movement practice. Um, but a practice can look lots of different ways. But you have to have enough of a sense of yourself in the work that you realize when you're giving that self away as opposed to working in a way that keeps the, that self um, sustained. Probably I can say that in a better way. Let me try again here. Uh, so can you give an example? Mm-hmm. So 
we talked a little bit about embodiment earlier and what it feels like in your body. So if you have a sense of what your body feels like when it feels good, when it feels energized, when you feel that inspiration, then you are much more likely to notice if you're working with a client in a way where your body starts to feel depleted. Or if you're, even as you're going through your day, like even today, I was going through my day today and I had this plan. I was going to do this particular little Facebook live thing. And then I was going to email out this thing to my list. And I was going to do this and this and this. And I woke up this morning and I realized it's the solstice. It's going to be the darkest day or the longest night of the year. Feels like the energy is really waning. I am going to take many of these things off of my to-do list and let this be a day that's more about rest, that's more about just receiving the gifts of what I've already put out there. And I'm not going to push a lot of new stuff out there because I can feel that if I do, my body's like, I'm going to start feeling depleted in my energy and my body. Does that make more sense as a concrete example? It does. You know, for me, I, I check in every week and ask myself, you know, what sessions seem to be depleting my energy? Um, what sessions is my energy holding up? And, um, you know, what sessions maybe am I really looking forward to that, you know, maybe there's something of mine that's out of balance there. And then that allows me to kind of ebb and flow uh, for the week. Mm-hmm. So I think it's great that you gave yourself permission to listen to your energy for today and um, adjust accordingly. Mm-hmm. There are many times that I've, I've talked to my mentor and, um, you know, I think sometimes when we're a healer, we forget that we're also human. <laughs> and when I'm struggling, I'm like, but I'm not role modeling. And they're like, but you're role modeling the other side. And I mean, we have to remember that, you know, we, c- we don't have to always portray our highlight reel, right? We can also portray the other parts that aren't so pretty um, because it's still role modeling for people. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like for me at this point, it's become kind of a minute to minute thing. Like even when I'm within a session, I'll start to notice where I'm about to say something or I'm about to do something. And even that starts to feel like, ah, that's going to be depleting. And then I can make the choice of like, is that energy that I'll be able to replenish later? And I'm just going to go for it. Or is that maybe like, no, that, that doesn't feel quite right in the moment. So now I can pull back and maybe just take the session in a different direction. And what I've noticed is that what feels good in my energy and what's most effective in the session tend to be the same thing. So it's, I used to feel like I had to push past those places in order to give a good session to the client but I realized I give much better sessions when I'm actually like monitoring that energy level and staying within the band where I'm, where I'm feeling good, then they also feel better. So. Oh, absolutely. So Heather, in, in your book, you speak a little in this kind of place to it about serving versus helping. And so when you're coming from that place, then you're really serving your client versus that content little, am I helping them? Am I helping them? <laughs> you know, you're, you're serving the client, serving the, the best interest of the session versus yeah. 
um, really focusing on, you know, if they're going to take away that magic piece that helped them. I feel like that helping, uh, you mentioned that helping is, you know, inequality. Because yeah. you have something that they don't have. Exactly. And a big part of this was just learning, like, what is the appropriate level of responsibility for me to take up the session? And how much of the session is also, am I trusting that my client's bringing to the session? I don't have to do all the work for them. I mean, obviously, they're moving if it's a movement session. So they're doing that work for themselves. But even just within sort of the the energetic space that I'm holding. So like you were mm-hmm. saying about if the, if where I am today is a little tired, I don't have to bring high energy to the session. I can bring the tired energy to the session and that's what I'm contributing. <laughs> and then they might also contribute something. And it's, it's actually okay. It actually still works that way. I used to feel like it wouldn't work that way. I just had to always bring the, the high energy or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so serving versus helping, I feel like serving recognizes and empowers the clients a lot more. Right. Mm-hmm. And that comes from you being self-empowered and knowing when to, yeah. when to, when to do what you need to do for you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We talked about some of the struggles um, and for the struggles to be true, gratitude also has to be true. So I'm wondering if there's a moment of gratitude um, that's special to you in this process of getting to your first book. (sighs) There have been so many. Let's see which one wants to be talked about today. Um, There was a moment last winter when I was really struggling with how some things were going at my studio. Uh, We'd had some big changes and upheavals and we were sort of in that phase that always happens after big changes and upheavals where everyone is uh, trying to make sense of it all and trying to settle back into their new routines. and everyone feels pretty uncomfortable. So, you know, even as the the studio owner, I'm the leader, but I'm also just as susceptible to all of that as everyone else. I am definitely human. So I was feeling the pressure of that time. And one of my instructors that I was very close to and that I had really enjoyed working with decided at that time that she needed to leave the studio. And it was really hard for me to receive that because a it felt like a personal failure on my part. Like I had just not managed this transition well enough that she would want to stay. And B, uh, it was concerning for the studio, of course, because you know, we all need wonderful instructors to thrive as studio owners. So it was very sad. But at the same time, I, it was like what I was talking about where you're getting this message, you don't like the message, but if you can lean into it, then it starts to give you information. And as I leaned into it, it started to show me more of where 
I really wanted to be and what I really wanted to be doing. And I realized that a part of that was that some of the roles I was fulfilling as a studio owner weren't actually the roles I really wanted to be fulfilling in my life anymore. And that there was some other work that I wanted to be doing in the world that I wasn't doing, some things I wanted to be sharing, which was what ended up eventually becoming this book and the work that I share with other um, healing business owners or healing entrepreneurs uh, around this book. So it was super painful at the time, but I also, even as it was happening, it was like this, I was crying and I was sad, but I was also feeling my heart expand in gratitude that I was having this moment of like realization and clarity for myself. So it was a mixed thing, but I do have so much gratitude for going through that situation because it did give so much more clarity. And then as I was able to reflect on it, that was when I realized, oh, I have actually learned these tools for how to handle these difficult situations, even a difficult situation like this. And I would really like to be able to share those with other people because I know that this is something that we all as healers have moments of struggle with. So if this can help somebody else, then I would love to share it. It seems like um, studio owners of healers, no matter how big or small the city is that they reside in or what state or even nation, the struggles seem to be similar uh, with the whole business model. And so I'm wondering, how do your beliefs play out in that today? Um, Could you say a little bit more about that? My beliefs as far as what? So what role do your beliefs play in how you um, advise others to thrive in their healing business? Mm So I guess hmm, this question, (laughs) it's a tough one because I mean, like when I read your book, you know, at one point you talk about, you know, I need to go be by myself. And then there was another time when you're like, I'm going to go to all these trainings and that'll fill me up. And I could relate to those. I've done the same kind of things. Mm -hmm. Um, And so from that, right, when you made those choices, you had a, a particular belief system that has evolved. Yes. And um, so what are, you know, what's that, how, how do those beliefs now um, help you mentor and coach other business owners? Got it. Okay. So my fundamental belief is that everyone has their own answers. That's the fundamental belief. So, so much of what I'm doing is helping people to access that for themselves, access their answers. And what I noticed for myself is that the more burned out and overextended I got, the less I had access to my own answers. They were just not obvious, not talking to me, if they felt totally absent. And the more that I was able to get myself into that place where I was 
constantly nourishing myself, constantly keeping my energy in a good place, the more easy and immediate those answers became. So what looks like balance for me may be very different from what looks like balance for somebody else, but the tools of creating that balance are generally very similar. Uh, Is the tools of being able to create the the situation where you can access those answers for yourself are very similar. So I think that when I first started doing all of those trainings, that was actually a very that was a, a healthy way for me to create balance for myself. I just sort of like got over attached to that as the way to create balance rather than realizing the underlying thing of what that was trying to uh, communicate to me, which like I would go to trainings, I'd move a lot. It would connect me more to my body. I think that's really what I needed from that situation was that greater connection to myself and my own body. But rather than taking that lesson, I took the lesson that, oh, well, what I need to do is I need to just keep going to more and more trainings. So what I, my, my fundamental belief when I work with people is that some part of them knows exactly what they need. And I'm just, my job is just to try and connect them to that. Like, and then together we, we figure out, okay, so now you're connected to that. Now what does that mean that you need? What changes do you need to make in your life now that you have more of that information? Lovely. So, you know, our tagline is getting dirty and growing <laughs> strong. Mm-hmm. I love <laughs> so that. What, what does getting dirty or doing the work look like to you? Oh, gosh. So getting dirty to me means like, it's like admitting and recognizing the things that maybe you don't always want to admit or recognize about yourself. It's seeing if you have an interaction with a person and you don't like the interaction with that person, like if a client gives you negative feedback or something, it's seeing, you know, part of the responsibility for that is with that person and part of it is with you. So it's seeing, well, where, where is my responsibility in this? What would I maybe not love to see about myself, but that is nonetheless true in this situation and then once I admit that it's true well now I can actually work with it because until I've admitted it's true I I don't have any leverage on it I can't actually address it in any meaningful way but the the critical moment is they're like okay fine I'll own this (laughs) (laughs) I, I guess this is really true this is this is a thing that that is uh, that I'm putting out there right now or a way that I'm behaving. And, and it's not the end of the world to admit that and to see that. So I like that. I have uh, two more questions. You had mm-hmm. said that you have a meditation and journaling practice. Is there a particular meditation or journal practice that you find yourself doing more often than others? So yeah, my journaling practice started with uh, the morning pages practice that Julia Cameron describes in the artist's way. And that is just sort of a brain dump stream of consciousness. And I think that was a great way to start. 
uh, it has sort of evolved for me and it's, it's fluid now. Um, some days it's more just a gratitude journaling. Some days it's, uh, yeah, gratitudes or appreciations. Some days it's kind of more of a creative problem solving or even just coaching myself in my, in my writing, but pretty much I do some sort of writing every day. And then my meditation practice is, hmm, how do I describe my meditation practice? I meditate every day. The form of it is a little bit different from day to day. And really, I I take the moment to tune in to where I am, what my energy really needs. And then I craft a meditation for myself around that, around whatever I need that day. So it's a way that I bring in the energy, the support, the nourishment, the love, whatever I need for that day that's going to support me through the whole rest of my day. So you're kind of in your virtual book tour right now. (laughs) And I'm wondering, where do you go from here? Well, I think it's all a little bit unfolding as I go. I, um, yeah, I'm going to be just getting out and talking about the book Mostly, like you said, virtually, I love the opportunity to come on podcasts. And I think that a big part for me of making my own journey sustainable is being open to the unexpected adventures as they come. This book has definitely been an unexpected adventure for me. I didn't I didn't really know that I was going to be writing a book and publishing a book by the end of this year until very recently. So, uh, and it's been just an amazing experience to do that. So I can't tell you exactly what's coming next, but I know it will be delightful, whatever it is. And if it doesn't feel delightful at first, then I will find the delight in it. Um, (laughs) I have definitely ideas for more books. I am been working with people in mentorship around the material that I wrote about in the book, and I've been enjoying that as well. And beyond that, we will see. We'll continue to unfold. Tanya, do you have any last questions? I honestly feel like everything that covered, every little thing that I, I jot down notes a lot, of having to kind of mute myself because of the baby. Um, I jot down questions a lot and almost everything I have jotted down has already been covered. Heather, you've been fantastic. I was thinking about, um, you know, mentors and and guides and and you spoke to that and then um, what it's like to kind of becoming the mentor. (laughs) You've kind of spoke to that a little bit. Um, The embodied experience, uh, so everything has, has really been um, kind of covered, but I jotted notes down. Uh, we really, really appreciate you taking this time with us. I got a free little preview uh, from Kim of the book, and I jumped right to chapter five because mm. I was like, like uh, 
<laughs> that's that's what I want to learn about, <laughs> which is the which it it made a lot of sense to me. Um, sorry, I'm gonna pull it up here, but I wish someone would just take care of me and the idea of the healer and the helper and the shadow self is kind of the the shadow side to that is kind of the victim or the martyr. And um, I was like, oh, not only do I identify with that, but I know people who really fit in that too. Um, and then the the link was only available for a little bit. So I didn't, I didn't get too much deeper past that, but I did get to jump to that spot and I really, really enjoyed it. So I can't wait to read the rest. Wonderful. Yeah. I think we all have those moments for like, someone just do this for me. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, yes. Can you, Heather, can you tell us where can we find you? Where can we find your book? Yes, absolutely. So my website is heatherglidden.com and you can, your listeners can actually get a free copy of the book right now at my website. It's available for free still at the website. So good to know. A gift, gift for all of you. I'm delighted to offer. And, um, yeah. Otherwise, if anyone has questions, they can also always contact me at contact at heatherglidden.com. I'm always happy to answer questions or take inquiries. Thank you so much. Thank yeah. you, Heather. Thank you so much for having me. It's been lovely to talk to you both. Thank you for listening to Where the Lotus Grows. Join us in further conversations. We believe that you bring valuable knowledge to this community. You can find us at wherethelotusgrows.com where the lotus grows on instagram and facebook or twitter where the lotus g1 because we were not on top of that one remember that though we are professionals in our field the topics discussed and or advice given is general information and not intended to treat or diagnose please seek the guidance of a medical integrative health body work or yoga therapy professional for a full evaluation If you like what you hear, please take the time to rate us on iTunes or your preferred podcast platform.